everyone. Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry, this is Haley, and we are so excited to be here to talk about stuff. Hi, I love stuff. <laughs> I just got very distracted by the no whining sign <laughs> behind you, which I think I need that. <laughs> I always forget it's there. It's been crooked like that for probably eight years because I forget it exists. It makes me think a little bit of how the Ted Lasso believe sign is kind of crooked. Perfect. I'm glad it makes me think of something nice. It does. It does. So what we've got for you guys today is a whole lot of stuff. We got a bunch of news stories, a bunch of trailers in particular, and then we are going to talk Cruella. And as always, when we review a new movie, we're going to do a non-spoiler section for those of you who haven't seen it. And then we'll launch into spoilers at the end of the episode so you can enjoy as much of Witching Hour as possible before we get to Corella spoilers. Yes. Do we want to just jump into the trailers? Let's do it. There were some good ones this week. Holy shit, that old trailer. Holy shit. (laughs) I feel that way about all of the trailers we're about to talk about, honestly. I felt I that way about all of them too, but old in particular <laughs> really got me. Yeah. Interesting. That, that one just looks so freaky. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, old is the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. And apparently it's going to be a chilling, mysterious new thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are related where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. That's so fucked up. It is. It's all, it's so Shyamalan too. It's like it is. So high concept. And I, I, it seems so poised for one of his signature endings that I'm really curious to see if he subverts that. I'm very intrigued by this. Well, it does, you know, like one of the first questions I did want to ask you is, you know, to theorize a bit, what do you think the twist is? Because it does, it very much seems like a, like a concept in general, but also the trailer plays as though there's going to be an aha moment at the very end, especially because there's that line where someone says we're here for a reason. Yeah, exactly. That's what stood out to me. That's when I was like, oh, you, um, it's the wind. It's obviously the wind. Oh, of course. What else would it be? No. <laughs> Making them age to kill off the human race. I don't, I have no idea on it. I don't even know what, like where to begin that kind of theorizing that doesn't feel super cliche, like it's a dream type territory. What do you think? I, I think I have absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I lay it on me, M. Night. I want to know what weird stuff you're going to do with that premise. Because, I mean, it's, it can't be a village level twist because there's, you know, there, there's fantasy and magic involved. These, these people are clearly actually aging. So they're suddenly pregnant. We have to take man-made horrors out of the equation. That's true. That's a good point. And also, well, no, I guess we're here for a reason. Could be man-made. It just feels very, like, mythical. I mean, even if it is a man-made situation where, let's say, the hotel that they're staying at is a trap and they purposely push people towards this beach, like, the beach itself has to be magical. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's because of that whole like it can't be just people messing with other people is why my brain keeps going to like all the really cliche dream territory yeah um which I'm sure won't be because say whatever you want about his endings they're not that kind of reveal no not not ever or at least not that's coming to my mind right now and for for what it's worth I am one of the folks out there who really digs the village and the first time I saw it was very much like holy shit at the ending I I definitely figured out the ending like way too fast but it didn't I I think that movie's great and I think it's better when you do know the ending like I've I've enjoyed many a rewatch so you're probably right (laughs) 
uh, yeah, I'm pro Shaman, just for the record. I also love Signs, which I know is one that was kind of debated as well. Oh, I'm because obsessed with Signs. The water thing is stupid, fair yeah. enough. The swing away thing is goofy, but the rest of the movie really works. Well, no matter no matter what I can criticize about the water element of it, every single time I accidentally forget to put my water glass in the sink or throw away a water bottle, that is the first thing that comes to my mind when I look around my room and I see cups and uh, bottles all over the place. Absolutely. It's contaminated. (laughs) Back to old. Movie looks real damn good, too. The, tra- the trailer is also very well cut, but the movie looks good. And that cast, holy shit. That is quite the ensemble he put together. Yeah, I made me realize because I don't watch. Um, uh, what's the Amazon show he's in that I haven't seen? Uh, Mozart in the Jungle. Yes, since I don't watch that, this made me realize how much I miss Gael Garcia Bernal. Yes. I see him leading something. And I am very excited to see more big screen time for Vicky Crepes. Yes. Phantom Thread. Yes. I'm a very, very big fan of hers and also of Thomas and Mackenzie, who we're going to talk about later in the show. The, mm. I, the idea of her and Alex Wolf playing brother and sister, and that clearly seems to be a bond that's very important to the story overall. I like that. And Eliza Scanlon from Little Women. I mean, Abby Lee from from Lovecraft Country. I could just go on and on with this cast. It's well, it is a uh, premise that offers a lot of opportunity to cast a lot of great actors because they keep aging up. It's very true. I just as we were rattling off those names, I was just trying to think, you know, If they're there for a reason and the brother-sister relationship between the two of them seems to be at the forefront, how could those two things connect? I know. I was thinking the same thing. I don't, I don't have it. It's a stressing on the same, the exact same page. Stressing me out. See, this is a, this is a trailer where I am obsessing over it and I find it frustrating because I can't find answers, but it's all like, that is a good thing. That is encouraging me to watch the trailer over and over and get more hyped for the movie. Whereas another trailer that we're talking about, while it gets me hyped, I have forced myself to stop watching it because I think I'm figuring too much out. Mm, I feel like I know which one you're talking about. Or maybe it could be either of them, honestly. Um, I am not in that boat with old. Like I'm not obsessing over it. I am completely sold and I want to see nothing more because I want to take that journey with the movie. I do hope they don't release another trailer, even though, you know, between now and July 23rd, it does feel like they're going to release at least a final one. Probably. Well, let's let's make a deal. <laughs> if they do, let's not cover it so we don't have to watch it. I think that's totally fine. Okay, cool. All right. Should we move on to that next trailer? Heck yeah. All right, which is the one that I was referring to. It's for Escape Room 2, which is now titled Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Let's get a synopsis for this out of the way first. Escape Room Tournament of Champions is the sequel to the box office hit psychological thriller that terrified audiences around the world. In this installment, six people unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms, slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive and discovering they've all played the game before. I dig that concept. I, do I, like, I like the idea of tournament of champions because the way that the first escape room ended, there was no way that they could continue the series without you know, upping the ante. It wasn't just a situation where the returning characters could just be in any old escape room again. Mm-hmm. It, it had to go to the next level or I don't think them returning would work. Yes. Um, I had not considered it in like elevating the, like these are already survivors elements. So they're more attuned to the game. But I think obviously I was, as we've discussed, like how are they gonna make the rooms bigger and more exciting? And it looked like they have. Uh, it also, it, it makes me think of Hunger Games because they had that yeah. tournament of champions. Well, there. that I mean, that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, in, in Hunger Games, you got regular Hunger Games and then what are the uh, quarter quells. 
Yes. And then they add, they add things to them, but it's not even just the idea of them bringing back, you know, champions and maybe making the rooms more difficult. I like the idea of introducing individual qualities about them that could play into the difficulty of the rooms. Like one of the characters not being able to feel pain. Mm-hmm. That is a, that's an interesting thing to be able to play with, with this concept. Terrifying condition. I don't Ooh. know if you've ever like read about it. Like it's so easy to die if you can't feel pain. That because is. That's your, that's your warning sign to stop doing what you're doing. Cause it's bad for you. Boy. Yeah, I mean, I have not put all that much thought into it, but now, now that you brought it up, I'll likely be Googling. And <laughs> I, hope, I hope they they kind of make the most of the terror that comes with that in this. I'm sure that they will, especially if they highlight it so much in the trailer. Well, I also thought that line was very effective when she's like, I can't feel pain. Imagine what they're yeah. doing for me. I was like, oh, that is dark. It really is. I mean, this is another one with an excellent cast too. You know how I feel about Logan Miller and obviously yeah. Taylor Russell's always phenomenal. And I'm so psyched to have India Moore in this. Yes. I was going to say, I am not feeling good about Logan Miller's chances. And that makes me bummed because I was really surprised and happy to see him make it out of the first one. I think I'm in the same boat and this goes to what I was saying before. I need to stop watch. I need to stop rewatching this trailer and trying to piece together who makes out of who makes it out of what room, because, you know, I know that they could they could edit this in a way that's purposely done to throw me off. But it seemed pretty clear, like a lot of things, I, I guess, like. It's definitely possible that we see some of these characters fall into a trap that maybe is another trap and there's a scene after that or something. But I like they weren't really hiding much. Well, it's also a situation where for all we know, the characters could get separated at some point, yeah. which which it does happen in the first movie. So for all I know, this one scene that's telling me that these characters survive and these ones didn't. Maybe that's just trying to throw me off and it's successful at it. I think, and I hope that you're right. I hope that they're intentionally trying to throw us off because I thought that what I, I'm trying to think of how to say it. Like, it's not what I didn't like about the trailer. It, the nature of the setup makes the geography very clear. And if you think about like what the trailer shows you and how those rooms could piece together, then I think you can very easily get, it may be too much information. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'll also just place bets right now that that guy, the guy who's not Logan Miller is dead first. For sure. That's like I'll, I'll, put so, I'll put so much money on that. <laughs> but it looks great. Like I, saw, I wish it was a little more mysterious because again, hoping that I'm wrong and that they're doing this on purpose. I do think it gives a lot away, but dude, those rooms, rooms, like one being a city, they look so cool. They do. They look, they look excellent. And that's, you know, that's a big part of the reason why I'm a big fan of Adam Robitaille as a director, because, you know, we've seen these kinds of, uh, you know, series formatted original concepts, just, you know, something with a high concept in the horror genre be done. I don't want to use this term, but I'm going to be done on the cheap, you know? Because like sometimes you, you can do that. You can get away with it. But there, I think one of one of the shining qualities of that first escape room was how high the production value seemed the entire time. And it does look like this one's going to have that same quality to it. And I really think that, that that is part of the reason why this is a standout series. Uh, I absolutely agree. And I think that hopefully it looks like that the success of the first film inspired them to give this one even more resources and that's not always a good thing for a movie like we've seen plenty of times that the low budget ones rule and then they get too much money and they fuck it all up but if there's a franchise that I'm like throw money at them it's gonna be something like this where that money goes to creating these phenomenal immersive set pieces that really rely on that production value. Yeah, I forgot who said this to me. I think it was Matt. I think it was Matt Donato. He he said something to the effect of uh, Escape Room is essentially the, the next Saw. Mm. Which I, 
I th- I think you could you could probably say that, especially if you know Spiral put the nail in the saw coffin, and that that space is vacant now. I'm not sure about that. I don't believe that's what happened. Um, that's a valuable IP. There might be not be another Spiral, but I do think there will be another Saw. There's no, there's never not going to be more Saw movies. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will, I will admit to that. But I do think that the reception of Spiral might have knocked the wind out of the franchise for a little. Where mm-hmm. it, it might take some time, or, or you know. At the very least, Spiral didn't get the ball rolling as much as I would like to bet the studio had hoped. For sure. Um, gosh, I have so many thoughts on that. Like, Go for it. I always thought that that release date was too soon for that movie coming out of the pandemic. And I don't think that was a good weekend for it. It was too competitive. Uh, people aren't like mid-May going like, yeah, let's get scared. That's not the vibe they're looking for right now. Uh, it just nothing about that choice made any sense to me honestly and I never thought it was going to work out yeah um I I'll agree with you on that I definitely think things were opening back up and and chances were better but in my mind the movie that found the sweet spot genre wise on the big screen is probably a quiet place I feel like a quiet place would have been the right way to test the waters for any genre film out there before you released yours so it's like, once we see the box office numbers on A Quiet Place, I bet you I could figure out a pretty good number for The Conjuring 3. And that could have given the studio a good idea of what to expect from Spiral and then maybe where to place it. But testing the waters with that one seemed especially risky. And, and sure enough, it wound up being a risk that wasn't worth taking. But also, but also, then you have to add in the quality of it all. I know, I know, we feel differently about Spiral, but I don't know. I just, I didn't think it was that good, and I think that might have added to the problem. I look, I like it, so I feel differently. But um, I also, there's so many reasons I think that wasn't the right call. Like, uh, it's not called Saw Nine or whatever. You know, it's a reinvention of the franchise. So not only are people not necessarily looking for that kind of cinematic experience right when they get out of quarantine, uh, they don't inherently go, oh, Spiral, of course, that's that. Like, what is Spiral? Um, Well, even the hashtag for the movie was Spiral Saw. Like that right there should have automatically alerted them to some confusion. Mm -hmm. And you also for like a decade or more of our lives definitely more oh my god that was so long ago when the first one came out but uh they built it around if it's halloween it must be saw yeah and they dropped it it's like it just i think every ball was dropped there on that strategy um are they running running scared from halloween during halloween i was even thinking maybe end of august or beginning of september could have been a good release but i think Candyman is going to clean up in that zone so Maybe, maybe. I mean, the fact of this year is that everything, every single month is going to be crazy crowded. Every single one. Like as it was, the week they released in was crazy crowded. So mm-hmm. I don't know why you wouldn't lean into your established branding and seasonal interest. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is a side tangent. Yes, but uh, a worthwhile one. Yes. I forgot how we got to it though. Um, I have no idea how we connect oh. the dots. Oh, because- uh, <laughs> Escape room is going to be the next Saw. Here's my thing. And that's not wrong, but I do think it's tonally wrong. And I think it's more of a final destination. And I'm wondering if that train set piece is meant to be a reference because it is so similar to the scene at the end of Final Destination 3. I'm I'm not, yeah, that was definitely something that popped in my mind the second I saw it. I guess guess the the Saw escape room connection makes sense to me because it is a trap. Totally. I get that. I just think tonally it's more in line. Yeah. Final Destiny. It's more fun. It's not as mean. That's a that's a very fair assessment. Or or maybe this next one will prove us wrong. Who knows? <laughs> maybe it's mean as <laughs> maybe they'll get meaner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next trailer. Yeah.
All right. This one is the trailer for Edgar Wright's new movie, Last Night in Soho. And the synopsis for this one is it is a psychological thriller about a young girl passionate in fashion design who is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it appears. And time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. Let me ask you, Haley. Mm-hmm. Do you think you figured this movie out based on that trailer? No, but I also have no desire to see anything else. Oh, okay, okay. Because, <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know, like, where you're going with this, but I'm into it. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely didn't. But it is, of all of these, that would actually be the one where I would probably be obsessively rewatching. Yeah. If I wasn't so, like, focused on trying to stop doing those kinds of things and just enjoy movies when I see them. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually had to watch the trailer right before we logged on because I had intentionally not watched it um, unless I was going to have to do so for work. Although I realized I went to Wrath of Man the other night and realized like my, my jig is up. I can't do it. Like I'm going to have to see trailers now because they play 20 of them in front of every movie. Yes. <laughs> um, this movie just looks so good. Like see, I would like to have that self-control and not be able to watch trailers like this and old over and over mm-hmm. but they're they're so beautiful and they're magnetizing like even in a two-minute trailer alone they're pulling me into a world that I kind of want to be in and I yeah, really yeah. want to keep exploring and I again I have no self-control I can't wait for the movie so I might have watched this trailer quite a few times well I do think this trailer benefits from being fairly impenetrable like you can theorize but there's I don't really think you can in the way that you can piece together the geography and timeline somewhat of escape room because it's a straightforward type of script from what we know of the first film this I I don't I don't even know how you would go about like trying to piece together which scene is where at what point like I don't know I don't have any ground to stand on this this one's a a head scratcher in a good way and Thomas and Mackenzie's gonna have quite the year yes she is I I the tonal shift in the second half of the trailer was extremely fucking fabulous and yes. I love the the giallo aesthetic uh, the the final frame and the screen cracking that is so deliciously old school for a trailer I was thinking the exact same thing. This this one looks like it really could be worth the wait. Obviously, I need to know the story a bit more to say that with a little more confidence. But this trailer definitely made me think that uh, my my high hopes are going to be justified in the end. Yeah. And even though I still have no idea what the heck it's about, uh, it's like nice to finally have some concept because man that's been a tough movie yeah. to write or talk about well this is this is one where whether you like it or not we're definitely getting another trailer because this movie oh, isn't coming out until october 22nd and hey isn't that a smart timing for a horror movie and you know i'm just realizing this isn't even a trailer this is billed as a teaser trailer oh we'll probably get like two more at least yeah uh, i I wouldn't mind if they just stuck at one official trailer, but the marketing machine, they can't help it. And I understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about how they will do that since this movie is clearly designed to be fairly mysterious. Um, And I don't know. It's like, is he is in our community, obviously, but is Edgar Wright that big of a name for just like your average moviegoer, I'm not sure. That's why I think they need to lean on promotion more. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a very, a very well-known name in our, in our bubble. But I think when you look at a lot of his other releases in the box office on them, it's, it's a sign that it does need a little bit of a boost in order to get to the wide movie going public. Yes. Baby driver did really well, but you know, even the, even like Shaun of the Dead and the the Cornetta trilogy, I mean, they, it feels like they got their diehard fan base maybe more over time. 
Yes. But I, I, I don't even think that the fan base that those movies built is necessarily translating to Edgar Wright movies always hitting a certain level at the box office. I also agree with that. And I also, you know, I know I'm not alone in the sentiment that like I was very disappointed in Baby Driver and I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. So <laughs> uh, point being that like just because that you have that love for the existing films, you know, that's not a after Baby Driver, that's not a guarantee that you're going to be the same level of hype. No, I think I think that's a very fair point. But I do think that the trailer that we got for this one and Halloween time go hand in hand. Yes. And I think that that could put it in a very good position come release day. And it just, I mean, not to be like so shallow, but the aesthetic, the clothes, the cost. You know, speaking look. of star power, though, you know what else I didn't consider? Hmm. Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. It's not just, you know, it's not just like, a real good actress getting like a fairly well-known, like she's on another level now because of Queen's Gambit. And I think, I think her alone could maybe give this a boost. Very good point. And such general, I feel goodwill towards her for her entire resume. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, yes, obviously Queen's Gambit is the big one that has reached the largest audience and audience and created like this new level of buzz for her but she has so many pockets of fans from the witch from split like mm -hmm. there are a lot of different places that people love her from i'm just like looking at her filmography right now and it's it is kind of crazy just how many good titles she has because you know you could be the best actor in the world but you know like sometimes they don't really pan out but you know like the witch I happen to be a Morgan fan. I, I liked that. Then it split Thoroughbreds, uh, Glass. All right, maybe I'll take that back. Glass, I didn't love. Yeah, I didn't love Glass either, but it's built into the split thing, you know? Emma, The Queen's Gambit. Then she's going to have Last Night in Soho, The Northman, Furiosa. I mean, she makes good choices. She really, she really, really does. I mean, maybe the New Mutants is another head scratcher again in this mix, but I, I never even saw it after all that. <laughs> I haven't either. I should get on that. I think it's on HBO Max. I gotta watch it. But I don't even like objectively. That seems like a good choice. No, yeah, I definitely 100%. understand agreeing to that. <laughs> yeah, all the right pieces were in place. Nobody could have foreseen that wild ride. For the record, you are correct. If you want to watch The New Mutants, it's on HBO Max. Right on. Maybe I should do that this week. I know, weekend. I should probably do that too. Maybe not this weekend though, because I have other things to watch, but eventually I will. <laughs> <laughs> My thing is like, oh, how long is it going to be on there? I'm definitely not going to rent it, so I should do it sooner. Yeah. Than oh, I probably should. I have so much stuff to watch, though. I but can't I'm sure stop. it'll go to Hulu or Disney Plus after. That's probably true. You want to move on to the next story, speaking of HBO Max? do it evil dead four is heading to hbo max and apparently it's not even getting a theatrical release to go with it so there's that i'm very surprised by that i don't want to make more of it than it is but i'll say i'm surprised and can i also say i'm like kind of insulted <laughs> it, it really it really bothers me yeah i don't know like i know that the Evil Dead franchise. I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about before with Edgar. It's like the Evil Dead franchise. Like, yeah, like if you say it, people know what Evil Dead is. But I feel like the power of that franchise mainly exists in the horror bubble. You know, for example, if I if I go ask Lonnie about Evil Dead, she's not really like she'll know what she'll know what I'm talking about. She won't really know. Yeah. And I, th I think that's probably why Ash versus Evil Dead didn't go beyond uh, season three, but that's another conversation. So I feel like it's being penalized for being a second tier horror franchise and just being pushed over to HBO Max when it should be on the big screen. I, yeah, I have to agree. It absolutely should. I also feel very sad to not have the opportunity to see it in a crowd because those are usually such um, experiential films. Yes. That Fede Alvarez remake, I'll never yeah. forget seeing it 
in a crowded theater at South by Southwest and people just freaking out at the blood and gore in that movie. I like, I want that feeling again. I'm sure they'll do, you know, some special screenings where maybe we'll get the opportunity, but it just, it just doesn't seem right on so many levels. And yeah, I'm disappointed. You know, I'm a big fan of Lee Cronin. I, I love a uh, hole in the ground and I'm really rooting for him. And like, I, I want to see him get his next feature, a pretty big deal, a franchise film on the big screen. I know. I know. I was, I, I was surprised and also disappointed, but um, it's a, as far as streaming destinations go, it's a good one. There's, you but know, is it is it a good one later on? Like, what is that landscape going to look like when we're not even just shifting back to normal, but you know the world is fully opened back up? Yeah, I know it's so it's so strange, and I wonder, you know, because it last existed on a network. I don't know how much they would know about the numbers. Maybe the numbers just said this won't perform in theaters, but I also, that's not the same thing. Like I know people who probably never watched an episode of Ash versus Evil Dead who would be very excited to go see a new Evil Dead movie. Yes, that's definitely the case. I had a really good point that I have forgotten. I believe that it was probably the best point ever. It, it might it might not have been, but I feel like whenever anybody utters the words Ash versus Evil Dead, it just scrambles my brain because I'm obsessed <laughs> with that show and my heart is still in pieces that it never got to continue. Well, that's an, is it, I wonder, do oh. we know? We don't know. We don't, what, what? I, I figured out my point. Hmm. They... I think they started production this year. So we're not we're not going to see this movie for at least another year, I would guess. Maybe when the execs over at Warner Brothers see a cut and a new line, I guess, see a cut of it. For all we know, the decision could change. For sure. So I don't know. Like may, maybe that's false hope to hold on to, but I'll take I what I can get. I don't think necessarily. I mean, unless like the contract that was signed is like fucking ironclad that would obviously be what it is yeah. but I definitely feel like everybody's feeling out the landscape right now and anything could change I mean we still don't even know what's gonna happen with Dune <laughs> oh boy oh boy don't even get me started on that conversation um just in case anyone out there does not know what Evil Dead Rise is gonna be about apparently it is starring Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan as two estranged sisters who need to overcome their differences in order to survive an attack of the demon-possessed dead. <laughs> the, the article says demon-possed dead. Whoops. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm a child, and I just feel like laughing at that. Um, but the other big deal about this one is it's not going to be a cabin in the woods type story, and they are going for an urban setting instead, which I think sounds really interesting. I think it sounds really cool. I What I was going to ask is if we know, which we don't, how or if it ties into the franchise. Like, wow. I would assume it is built to function without having watched Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, my God. I, I would be shocked if that was the case. I, right. I really, I feel like, uh, I feel like, I don't necessarily think that this is exactly going to be the case, but the way that I'm picturing this story within like the world, I feel like if Ash, Kelly and Pablo are off in this location, killing deadites, then maybe, you know, someone else in another part of the world is, is facing deadites in a different way. Right. That's, that's, kind, of, that's right. kind of what I'm suspecting is happening here, but yeah. I, I do feel like Ash Williams and the other characters exist within that that world that they created. I feel like everything about how it's been framed suggests that. Yeah, pretty much. Very intriguing, very intriguing one. Love, love not knowing, very curious. Um, and I, I have long supported the, the title Evil Dead Rise. I think it's great. Yeah. So I'm glad that ended up not being a working title. 
I'm, I'm, yeah, very into that one. Do you want to move on to the next story? Because I have a good transition. You know what else I'm really into? What? I'm really into the custom image that our team made for this Joker 2 article. I haven't seen it yet. Like, I don't know. It's just very pretty and really cool. Nice. Good work, team. I wish I could credit the, the artist behind it, but I do not know who made this. Um, just so you guys know the details of this story, I'm going to read directly from Marco's article. A sequel to 2019's Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix is seemingly finally in the works with a script co-written by director Todd Phillips. The news was published discreetly by The Hollywood Reporter in the middle of a list of Hollywood's most powerful lawyers. All right. So looks like that article is mostly filled with information about lawyers and their clients and the important (laughs) projects that they're doing. Um, But in the section dedicated to lawyer Warren Dern, we can read that his client, Todd Phillips, struck a deal to co-write the next Joker installment. So I guess that's the extent of it. And what we know, I am not looking at this like we are getting a Joker too, for sure. Because I imagine this is a deal that would have been struck based on the success of that first movie. And like it was a deal that was going to be struck regard, like no matter what. And then they'll see what they get. Sure. And I think there were reports that they were, you know, kicking around a sequel as soon as the film came out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a sequel i like it seems to me that the main major obstacle there would be walking phoenix being interested and it seems that he really enjoyed making that obviously got some acclaim for it as well which never hurts uh so i i he seems on board which i appears to me to be the biggest obstacle i say i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we got a Joker too, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get a Joker too. Yeah, no, I, I actually would be a little surprised at this point just because everybody was so like sunshine and daisies about what a great time they had making it in their interviews. I guess so. Um, it was Andrew who made the custom image. So thank you. Andrew. Round of applause, Andrew. Yes. Have you ever seen the image that Andrew made for me for, uh, for the, the breakout from my L. Callahan interview where she talks about having worked with Patty Jenkins on Wonder Woman. No, I'll have to. <laughs> Isn't it that. like really, like, is it really weird that I have like an attachment to certain custom <laughs> images that just like look real cool that he made for my articles? No, I think that's great. It's, re- it, it's really, really cool. And I think it's one of my favorite custom ones he's ever made. You should it's tell just, him you love your I mean, images. I, I, I flat out tweeted the article again so I could be like, <laughs> look at what he made. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, this is a very cool image. Yeah, <laughs> killing it, Andrew. I appreciate it, too. Bye, bye. All right, you want to roll into our review? I feel like we must. Or we won't have time for it. All right. Are you guys ready? for a Cruella review. This is our non-spoiler review of the movie. We'll get into some spoiler thoughts in a little bit, but right now you are in the clear if you have not seen Cruella, which is now streaming on Disney+. Plus. All right, I feel like this goes without saying, but just in case, Cruella stars Emma Stone as the title character. It's an origin story for her where she kicks off the movie as Estella, a young girl who's orphaned and makes friends with Horace and Jasper and the three of them together come up with this operation where they basically steal to make a living. However, then Stella gets a real job working for Emma Thompson's The Baroness. And during that period, the job brings out Estella's killer instincts and paves the way to Cruella. So that's it. That's what the movie's about. Haley, what'd you think about killer it? Killer instincts and her killer fashion designs. Damn right. I don't care about fashion. Cruella made me care about fashion. (laughs) They're gorgeous. Jenny Bevan. I could not take my eyes off those dresses. And I was like utterly shocked every single time I was like drooling over the fashion, which is so not me. (laughs) It isn't. I love to hear that. Oh, I, I liked it. I had fun. I think it's a hoot. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I don't care. It's fun. 
I will watch it many times. It'll be like 100% a background favorite for me because it's basically a Spotify playlist of great songs everybody loves. Yeah. And it looks fucking incredible. Yeah, I really loved this movie and I don't care that it doesn't make I do think it I think it it makes surface level sense. Sure. But it makes sense within itself. Yes. Like if you're trying to connect it to what we know about this character, it's nonsensical. I think there's two there's two elements that don't make sense about it. And I think it's it's definitely it feeling shackled to 101 Dalmatians. I, I don't think the you can connect the dots really all that well. But then there's also like there's also maybe I'll save this for the spoiler section, but there's also a quality of the main character that I I I think is missing a layer. Okay. That I, I, like that I needed that I needed a little more for. But yes. Before we get to that, Emma Stone is just so good. Emma they're, wonderful. They're all so good. I said I said something to this effect in my review because obviously I don't know what was going on behind the scenes. But when you watch a movie like this, I feel like the entire ensemble is just like soaking it up and having yeah. the biggest like blast playing in this world with these characters and I don't necessarily think that's fun just for them I think that's something that radiates off the screen and encourages the viewer to have fun along with them and that's a big part of the reason why I just can like I I haven't stopped rewatching this <laughs> yeah it's a great one for rewatching. you guys can't see but I was nodding very emphatically through all of them <laughs> um yeah they're having a blast and it's a blast to watch them have that blast i emma thompson fuck me up i <laughs> love her and i love her in the movie oh my god she is such a queen bitch i love it there are so many lines in this movie that shouldn't work but because the cast is so damn talented and i think that uh emma thompson is saddled with most of those lines where i have a feeling if someone else delivered them they might not have landed as well but she's so good and keep her down you know what was the biggest surprise of this movie to me, though, and something that I think the movie needed, where if it didn't have them, it wouldn't work? Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting the fact that Horace and Jasper are not two goofy henchmen in this movie. Like, they contribute to the, you know, the fun and the silliness of it, but they are, like, very... Uh, fully developed like people in this movie they're not they're not character caricatures I why can't I ever say that word they're not like a they're not a cartoonish version of like a henchman character like a you know like a throwaway supporting character who's just there to fill a specific hole in this type of story they're very full people with feelings and because they have feelings that are directly tied to Cruella's behavior that winds up enhancing her arc and also enhancing this whole world that they're creating they are invaluable to this movie yes and they're also very entertaining especially Paul Walter Hauser kills it like he's so good uh, Joel Fry has to carry a lot more of the dramatic weight so it's not like a rub on him that I'm not pointing out how funny he is but I I love Horace and like I love his portrayal I never thought I would say those words I also think he has some of the strongest chemistry in the movie with Wink who is also an MVP of Cruella give me every piece of wink merch because i am such a sucker i tried to look up before the the real dog who plays wink Mm -hmm. and all i saw was like wink plush toys which you know like it made me happy but i want to give the real wink some credit here i wonder if i have that somewhere in my notes i thought the i thought the dogs looked real good because like there's a there's a mixture of uh visual effects and and real pups here and I thought that I thought they looked pretty good they they did they're definitely very VFX sometimes but like the gravity is right they're still cute the way they should be cute yeah I know I, th- I think they you know I'm not gonna say it's like perfect perfectly photo real and avoiding you know uncanny valley type stuff but I think they they did real damn well with those visual effects why did I I did not 
I didn't get wink. What What is wrong with me? <laughs> what were you looking up? Uh, it was trying to find the dog who played wink. Are dogs listed on IMDb? I don't know, but they are in the credits for the film, which is how I ended up with some of these notes. Oh, I found. So according to IMDb, the main wink is played by Bluebell. Yeah, Bluebell. And then Bluebell has a bunch of doubles, and the doubles include Nala, Dane, Dixie, and Mozart. I would like to adopt them all. (laughs) I would just like to give them all a round of applause. That is one lovable movie dog. Yeah, really, 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 really. I'll also give another little shout out to the young actress who played young Estella, who I thought was very good. I'm not going to pronounce her name right now. I feel like an asshole for even bringing it up. Tipper Seifert Cleveland. She was very good. That is a proper 90-year-old woman's name. Way to go, kid. Uh, She was good. I also, I liked seeing Emily Beecham. She's not in it a whole bunch, but I liked a lot and I she was she was a perfect Disney mom yep I will I'll second that um you know who else really caught my eye and I tried to look up his real name so much and I couldn't find it um the Baroness's like right hand the dude in the glasses because he he has such presence like I don't know his name or like his character name even or you know, anything about him, something there, there was something about him where I'm like, you were like perfectly cast in this role and you are doing exactly what you need to do. Why are you making an impression when we're not given any information about who you're playing besides being her assistant? I think that you just solved a mystery for me that was in my head, which was like, I was trying to figure out why is there a focus on this dude? And I was like researching, is he from the animated movie? And he's not. And then I think what you just solved for me is that there isn't a focus. He's just a presence. And a, a really strong presence where yeah. I think he needs, he needs more credit. And I'm, I've looked at the IMDB page here quite a bit and I cannot find anyone who looks like him. Um, I will also, I can't believe it took me this long. John McCrea is Artie. What a fun. Oh, yes. What a joy. And that's another character who maybe didn't get as much, you know, meet like as much of a meaty role as I think he probably deserved, but he's still like, like great presence. Yeah. If they... If they make a Cruella 2, I think there will be more Artie because uh, he's about to steal a lot of that attention. But if anyone out there can figure out who played the Baroness's assistant, I really want the answer to that. It is, let me make sure I'm right. I hate to be wrong on air. I'm so excited right now. I believe... His name is Andrew, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, Lung, Lung, Lung L-E-U-N-G, yes, I'm, I'm so Caucasian, I'm sorry. Is he not on the IMDb? I'm not sure, let me check. Oh, no, I see him. Okay. I see him, and I will spend the rest of my afternoon Googling him. Um, <laughs> can we... I, I knew the character's name because I went down this whole research of, like, why is there a focus on this character? Who is, who is Jeffrey? You, you definitely found him. This is him. Yeah. Okay. He is, he is one of my new favorites. Um, do we want to talk spoilers for a little bit? I feel that we should. I feel that we should too. I'll just, all right. This, this is your spoiler warning. We're about to jump into Cruella spoilers. That means for anybody who hasn't seen the film, go watch it and then come back and listen to the rest of this conversation. And, uh, We'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Um, So I'll just go, I'll bring up right away what I was kind of getting at before. So in addition to Cruella feeling kind of, you know, like shackled and and stopped from filling its full potential because it's tied to 101 Dalmatians, I also think there was something missing from the Estella Cruella transition. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that Emma Stone through performance alone, makes it work well enough just because she is so talented. I wouldn't necessarily say that 
there wasn't enough to that to satisfy me in the movie. But there's a lot more there that I think they could have mined that would have made it a fuller concept. I wanted a better understanding of what exactly was going on with those two personas and what pushes her in one direction versus another and and what takes up the majority of her. Yes, I could not agree more. I think that I would, I can't even find the words, obviously. I'm like, but, but I it would, to see an actual Craig Gillespie version of this, not Disney's Craig Gillespie version yeah. of this, I would love, love, to see that and I am very uncomfortable with how they fill that gap which is essentially well she was always going to be crazy she was born that way it's her genetics like her mom's evil so she is too what no (laughs) shut up our like that is some vintage portrayal of mental health that has no place in 2021 yeah i mean you're you're definitely right and i think that in order to take the next step with that concept they probably would have had to go darker with it or more or more serious rather and i just don't think that was an option for them here so given the the constraints that they had i think that that element of the movie works better than it ever should have it is yes i agree with everything it's almost entirely performance with a helping hand from good direction but like uh what the fuck like oh well her mom's evil so that's why what come on um also it just has to be said that the the dalmatians killed my mom as an origin story is like that's a joke like that's i'm pretty sure people on the internet will have made that joke many times in the past. I think it's so funny. I'm not, it's not even a bad thing. Like it's so aggressively funny and on the nose that I think it works for the film. How, how do you connect that though? Like that, that's, that's one of the, one of the gaps that I have here is like, how do you interpret where Cruella is at the end of the movie and what the post credit scene shows too? Because I'm almost thinking that this rendition of Corella is on a completely different path. I mean, clearly in, in this movie, she wasn't necessarily trying to kill Dalmatian. She was trying to give the effect that she has done something like yeah. that. So I'm thinking that's not part of this character whatsoever. In, in which case it's not, oh, like Dalmatians. Like, I don't, I don't think Emma Stone's Corella is looking at this as Dalmatians killed my mom. I think it's the Baroness killed my mom. Oh, for sure. I agree 100%. They have to, I hope that they make a sequel just to clarify that this is set in its own reality because there's no way to connect it to the character we know from the animated film. As you said that, I was about to blurt out, I do not want a sequel because I'm afraid if they try to make a sequel and connect it, it's going to take away from this movie. But if they make a sequel and establish that these are two completely different renditions of the character, fine by me. I think there is potential there, but there's no like stepping stone to the animated classic. It's not there. It is not. It doesn't. There is no. You will never convince me of that after the character we met in this movie ever. And you will never convince me about Horace and Jasper either. Like you don't go from these really interesting characters to just total bumbling fools. Nope. Uh, So I I really hope that they cement that as its own thing because then it works. If you're trying to put it all together, no, hard no. Even if let's say there's a sequel and you know, something terrible happens that yet again, makes Cruella like especially sinister and evil. I do feel like what they've established with Jasper and Horace is very much that they're going to put their foot down when the time comes and they wouldn't let any of that nonsense happen. So now I don't believe that any of the three are remotely capable of what we thought they were going to do. Convince me that Horace wants to kill puppies. Yeah, right. I dare you. I dare you. No, never. Not happening. Never, never. No, 100% no. But- <laughs> taking it on its own what a fun time like 
I just had a blast watching that movie. I know I've said blast like 25 times, but I really did. I had so much fun. It applies to this so much. It really, it really just is like a plain old good time. I mean, and I don't even want to just reduce it to being a plain old good time because especially in the technical departments, there is some stellar work here, stellar work that I am going to make the assumption has some real Academy Award nomination potential. I would, mm, depends on, we're so far away, but like I would consider Jenny Bevan definitely in the conversation for costumes, especially since she won so recently. Costume and hair and makeup. Yes. I mean, given what we have seen nominated in past years, I would really be shocked if this wasn't deserving of it, even after an entire, you know, second half of a year of content. Mm Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're freaking stunning. And, you know, they work together. I hope I'm saying her name right. Is it Jenny Bevan? I think it is. I think so, yeah. Um, they've worked together since I think the 90s, her and Emma Thompson. They just, she knows how to dress that woman. Yep. My goodness. My without, goodness. without a doubt. Oh, I also, I it reminded me because one of my favorite Emma Thompson moments is just staring down those bugs. But how cool is that dress reveal with the bugs? Oh, I love that. That was that was a great, great touch. That's that's one thing that I didn't bring up in our non-spoiler section. But in addition to the dresses just being like freaking beautiful, I also really liked how well woven the fashion was into the story overall, whether it was character arcs or like the moves they were making to get at each other. I thought it was just like very well done in that respect. And it it created like an extra tie to something that I usually don't engage with that way. I agree. Oh, there was one more thing. It's totally not related, but um, we were talking about like how several of the actors are carrying probably more than what was on the page. Uh, Mark Strong. Oh like, my bringing so much more to that than his actual lines. When Mark Strong popped up in this movie, I was very worried he was going to wind up being, you know, the Stanley Tucci of the witches, yeah. <laughs> which I severely underused and literally no purpose to that character. He shines so well in that second half. And Beautiful. I mean, to the point that I almost want a whole movie from his perspective. I just want to know what he's about and why he behaves the way he does. Damn clever casting because you always think of him as the villain. Yeah. And he's like the heart and he totally carries it. I mean, he can do anything. He's one of the great British actors right now, but he does play a whole lot of villains. Yep. That he does, but he is quite good in this as not a villain. As not a villain at all. What a lovely man. I would like to be his friend. (laughs) <laughs> all right so uh sign us up to be friends with uh with wink with uh with mark strong in this role and then also um oh, where did the page go i had his name andrew andrew leung young maybe Leung. yeah we're, we're we would like to be your best friend so yes. hopefully, hopefully and accepts the invitation and already i would i would yeah <laughs> i rhymed <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> all right. I think I think with the rhyme, that's probably a signal we should wind this down. Can't can't reach a higher point. <laughs> In that case, is there anything you would like to promote before we end witching hour? Uh well, I will finally, you know, I posted that oxygen ending breakout, yeah. but I'm gonna finally post our full 20 minutes with alexandra and melanie and they were lovely adorable beautiful people and i got 20 minutes with them so it was a good chat and it's it's a good time um and i'll just tease that we have a really cool guest coming up for a very big film soon you should just say it okay (laughs) Uh, we had the director of the conjuring the devil made me do it come on mr michael chavs it was a wonderful conversation we got some really interesting information on like things that they considered for the movie but didn't make it in and uh yeah really really great excited to release it please tell me it's chaves and not chavs oh maybe it is chaves i don't know <laughs> i'm like 99 sure it's chaves but now now the bug is in my head 
Well, I think I heard someone else say it and had the same reaction and then I forgot to investigate it. Okay. This is like the, the Kyle Gallner Gallner thing where I've been saying Gallner and then one, and then I think it was you. I think I could put the blame on you. You said Gallner and then I repeated Gallner. 100% I've said Gallner my entire life. Gallner would have never occurred to me. I don't know why. I don't know why that was the only option that occurred. You better believe I say it right now. But it's like, but it's like I love how I've only ever said Gallner and I had so many opportunities in life to say it wrong. And I chose the one time where I'm actually like introducing him on an episode to say it wrong. Well, now we know. Now we know. Yeah, I guess I make my A's very like French. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I will surprise, surprise, promote Collider Ladies Night. What? We just ran an episode with Kelly Marie Tran, who is an utter delight. I love her attitude and her vibe, and she's so much fun. And she, have you watched the part of that where she fan casted the Wicked movie with MCU actors? I haven't, no. Just watch that part. It's, okay. it's so much fun. And then, um, why did I, say, I know why I said MCU actors, I meant Star Wars actors. I said MCU because next week our episodes with Tiana Paris, who of course is in the MCU. So keep an eye out for that one. And that's it. We're out of here. You have officially survived the witching hour. 